Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dr. Yana, and we'll meet again on your favorite hour, Coffee with Dr. Yana, where we explore the connection between psychology and everything that is paranormal. Today, we have an incredible guest with us, the world-renowned expert of the paranormal, researcher of the past 20 years, media celebrity, her divine elegance, Michelle Derochet. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I don't think if I've I... ever quite been introduced this way before. <laughs> oh, yes, your divine elegance, for sure. <laughs> and you. if I may say a few words uh, about you, that for the past 20 years, you primarily focused on uh, the malevolent hauntings and potential non-human attachments or infestation. That is huge. Uh, you are known uh, um, all over the world, and you do UFO studies, cryptozoology, folklore, and legends, and everything that is out of this world. And you featured so many times, and I've been watching all these shows, uh, Paranormal Survivor, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that is good at Paranormal, Paranormal Survivor, Paranormal... Um, nightmare right my worst nightmare hotel paranormal and in addition to everything you know you live in a haunted manor house yes, that I is did. so incredible <clears throat> and how in the world did that happen um well long story short um i have had paranormal experiences my entire life i've had mediums within my family, generational mediums. Uh, so I wasn't discouraged as a child with respect to if I saw something, you know, my father would sort of, though he was gifted, he never talked about it until later on in life. But my mother's side of the family often spoke about it. So it was never discouraged. They would just ask me questions or pull out a photo album do you recognize anybody here? And, you know, so it, it, it stayed with me. I believe that all children are gifted. And if it's not discouraged, the chances of them holding on and practicing their ability will be greater than if they're discouraged and made to feel silly about talking about what they think might be an imaginary friend, which you have to be careful with, by the way. But, you know, a lot of those children will tend to shy away from those abilities so it just went on from there and uh having an attachment which i did speak about for the first time in full length on my paranormal nightmare i was asked to present the story in detail to which i did and um you know people were just like because people realize i think that they could relate to it that there are so many things out there if you don't mind sharing with us what was that story about the, I'm sorry. What was that story about? Um, what well, was about my attachment? Um, you know, probably I've always felt I had a presence in my life as a child. And somewhere along the line, of course, going through puberty. Now, being a researcher, I can tell you that people going through puberty, children going through puberty, pre adolescent age, women going through menopause that our emotions change, especially females. Our emotions change to the point where it attracts, it attracts things. So something malevolent did come in and completely infested the house. And it would do things, um, you know, like open and close doors. It would, it would run. Like, it, I mean, for four years, I would have a marathon with this thing, whatever I would come home because I was the oldest. So I got to have a room in the basement. Thank you. So <laughs> I know. So you're coming down the stairs at night and, you know, and then you I would race to the bedroom because I could feel something at my back all the time and I could hear a boom, boom, boom. And I would close the door and something would slam their fist or it sounded like something was just slamming into the door, hitting the door, you know? So it became, it's more, it became very unnerving after a while um i would have friends over and things would just levitate or like throw like i used to have albums i'm aging myself a bit but yes albums 
and they would just sort of fling out of their sleeves because I always had them where the sleeves were facing outwards. So I could just go in and pull them uh-huh. without damaging the sleeve, right? Just aware, always, always taking care of my things. And they were just like, you know, and, we just and they talking. knew that was your thing to do, right? That yes. this was your preference yes. and they knew that and they used it. Yes. And then I had a friend over one time and um, there's a, a young man I was dating at the time, you know, I was 18 and uh, I had gone upstairs and there was an album playing and all of a sudden the needle picked up and it moved and it dropped perfectly onto another song. Of course, this wakes him out completely. So he goes to head upstairs and something pushed him up the stairs. He said he went about up about three stairs, assisted, shall we say, and ended up like face planting the landing. And that was it for him. And then that was it for me. I was used to this presence and I'm a big believer in acknowledgement, disempowerment, don't acknowledge it and problem solve. But, you know, everybody else in the family was feeling that heaviness. And, and back then, it's not like we had, you know, paranormal television. Um, it's not like if it was out there, it was very, very sporadic. And we certainly, I didn't watch them. So I went to the public library and I got a book on clearings and how to cleanse your space. And the best I could come up with was a book on white witchcraft, which would show you how to cleanse your space and how to have spirit gardens and things like that. Just to, things that apparently spirits didn't like. So like, okay, who knew? Basil, you know, it's like, oh, okay. But just different things. I eventually cleared my own house. And you were 14. Taking control. And it's what I teach today. No, Michelle, were you 14 when you first cleansed your house? Um, No, actually, I was probably closer. I was in it around the 18 mark when I first oh. did it. When I was 14, I started having... Like whatever it was, was pretty dormant to that point. Because I started going through puberty at a young age, you know, and you start noticing little things, but I didn't pay much attention to that because there was no need to. I didn't know to look for it. I didn't know that it should be there. You know, it's not like I, I could see dead people as a child, but it's not like I was subjected to seeing other things. I would see the occasional deceased relative or something along those lines you know um so there was no need or reason to think that there was anything else in there I remember going for a walk one time and seeing a young man that had committed suicide and it looked like a a gunshot you know so it wasn't pleasant to see and that was way up around the lake uh, where we lived because we lived up near a lake it was a beautiful community um so then I started seeing things that I didn't really want to see now I question, well, was that what was it that was showing me that image? Was it really a young man or was it this, this entity that had come in, you know, because eventually showed itself in a somewhat, I mean, it could have been worse. You know, I've seen entities throughout my life that are, are not pleasant to look at. Um, and I just remember waking up one night and, and all of this mist started coming up in my room. And I you know, I hadn't been asleep very long. And when I woke up, um, just because I could feel the temperature change, I basically looked and something was coming up out of the floor. This big, massive, like I see horns coming up and, but it was white. It wasn't, it wasn't like a gruesome looking thing for what it was. It was either something trying to not frighten me too much you know, to say, like, pay attention, this is a type of thing that's here, or it was something that's just trying to maybe lure me in a little further, putting me off my guard, because it wasn't unpleasant to see, it was just startling. Now, Michelle, your parents were supportive of your gifts. They didn't quite say, oh, this is something abnormal, and we have to deal with it, because you said that you have a very interesting lineage going way back to the Knights Templar as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that a lot of uh, viewers would be able to relate to it, although for them, the situation probably would not be so easy and supportive. 
because in our society now i live in california it's not so and nowadays the history has changed and we don't burn at the stake right mm. we don't get burned <laughs> at the yeah. stake yeah but at the same time um it's easy to take this gift and turn into something abnormal like i am so grateful to my parents that did not consider my gift an abnormality Mm-hmm. The only thing they told me just to share it with them, which I did, and I didn't share with other people because mm-hmm. they told me that otherwise oh, it's schizophrenia. You know, early on, I found out what it was. And the reason how they knew that it was not is because the information that I had given them was always the objective reality, mm-hmm. always supported by the facts and things that would happen in the future and things that I saw they would be able to experience as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it is absolutely important, the support. And even if there is no support, like you, for example, you didn't know how to cleanse the house and you went to get a book. Although with your interesting clinic, I am sure that you had it in your genes and you knew where to look. You already had that gift that was speaking to you, your own genius, your own diamond. Mm-hmm. And that was guiding you in your life. I I believe so. My father was a little more, again, also very gifted um, on his side of the family, and he just didn't want to talk about it. Later years, he opened up about all the things that he saw, including, you know, in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically was just like, I don't want to be, you know, this is ridiculous. My mother would be like, we know it's not ridiculous, because my mother was seeing things happening in the house. My younger sisters were seeing things happening in the house. So it became a point to, you know, where people, everybody was experiencing something. Even when I moved out of the house, uh, you know, I was 20 when I moved out of the house and things continued on. Things continued in that house until after 60 years, my mother sold the family home and, you know, my father went into assisted living and she ended up living on her own. Um, And the new people who moved in were still experiencing things. When we moved everything out of that house, Things were happening. My mother lived alone in the house for a while. Things were happening and amplified. So it's all there. Support, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important. But then the question that uh, arises is that uh, in your professional practice, cleansing the homes, knowing the background the story behind uh, what is happening in those homes on those premises, not necessarily homes, the properties, uh, mm-hmm. right? Um, is it possible that no matter what you do or no matter what other people do, exercise a place, cleanse a place, it will always be, uh, it will always have an attachment of particular entity that will never leave. And we as humans don't have the ability to read ourselves of it. Okay, well, I don't know that no place or any place, I don't think believe there's a place here on this planet that can't be cleansed. I think it's a matter of how much work you want to put into it. I think the question is, should it be? I don't believe that just because something is there, that it has to be popped out, you know, it has its right to be there. And absolutely. And when I'm dealing with families, I look at many factors. I look at how many people are experiencing something in the home. Is it one person? Is it several people? Is something centered more around one person than everyone else? I like to know the history of a location. I like to know everything, the series of events that led them to me in the first place. And I will usually, if it's centered around one individual, especially, I will request psychiatric assessment, psychological assessment, and I will usually ask for two. And permission from the doctor to work with the individual. Because Mm -hmm. if the individual is on medication, you know, most doctors are like, yes, no problem. Make sure the individual stays on the medication. And which has nothing to do with me. I just want to to know what the mindset is and what the boundaries are. I'm not a doctor. I am not a counselor. I am 
nothing of that nature, medically speaking or psychologically speaking. I am there to try to address what it is that's leading them to believe that something is happening to them. I've worked with with psychiatrists and psychologists, especially um, with families. And, you know, if something's going on, it's like, okay, I'm not the psychologist. So I work with some psychologists that even do regression therapy. I say, this is where I think you should be with. Because I don't know, you know, what's going on in here, nor am I qualified to know what's going on in here. I can only guess at what your experience is because I had similar experiences. What I try to do is change the mindset of the individual. I believe we are in control. And I have used to have a waiting list that went 18 months to two years. So I would only be able to work with people via phone or via the internet on how to help them cleanse and work their own space and take control and let go of the fear. And by the time I'm actually, or I would actually be available to go in, they would be like, no, we're good. I think we did it. It's just been really quiet. You know, you gave us the tools that we needed. We took control as a family and they're able to to deal with it themselves because I think sometimes a lot of it is about the mindset. And if you're going to be fearful, that's a type of energy that feeds these things. So if you take away the food, you know, you'll often hear me say, live, love, laugh, keep smiling, things like that, you know, raise your vibration. It's all about vibration and frequency. So if you don't give it to them, they're going to starve. They're going to go elsewhere. So. Starve or go elsewhere. How interesting. I remember in my practice, I had a couple that have uh, had the, a lot of problems. So the wife really thought that uh, the husband was possessed and uh, she essentially brought him to me to be delivered. And the husband, of course, did not know. It didn't think that he had any problems whatsoever. Right? Of course. Yeah. And when I started working with them, um, and I work uh, in the area of archetypal psychology, have discovered that his primary forces that are behind his incredible talent and fueling his life and his professional life, although creating havoc in the personal life, Mm -hmm. they are the primordial tonic forces that Mm -hmm. when I ask if they were to be removed, they said no, because that is what moves that person forward. That is what will never be removed. And that that person was chosen to move that uh, um, um, industry forward. And anything that would come along to put an impediment on his way would be just taken away. And those chronic forces, in fact, they were creating the havoc in his personal life with everybody, every single person that would come his way because he was supposed to devote his life to what he is doing solely and completely. So some things are not supposed to be removed at all. Even if we think as humans here that we think, oh, we are the kings of the jungle, right? Mm. Oh, no, we're not. There's some things that are much stronger and much more intelligent than us. And we just don't have the capacity uh, mm-hmm. to even deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. It's interesting for sure. I agree. Um, but there are also a lot of things out there that will tell you anything that you want to hear or will tell you whatever it takes for them to be left alone so they can go on and do whatever it is they want to do. I believe we all have free will. And that free will or whatever, allegedly we make all these arrangements before we come here to live our life. And if that is the fact, if that's how it works, and of course we won't know till we actually get there <laughs> ourselves, we have to assume that it's it's potentially a possibility. Um, but when you have something that comes in 
and infiltrates your life and causes you all kinds of misery, or let's say something that comes in and attaches to, let's use a serial killer, for example, because we've seen that happen. Okay. Now, said serial killer passes away. Okay. That attachment remains. We have seen spirits with attachments and they're held back from crossing over. That journey is over. So why would that entity remain just feeding off the energy of this of this human spirit, not allowing it to move over? The job is done. So you see, it continues on. We've run across spirits, you know, one man murdered his family, pulled the attachment, all of a sudden, the man breaks down sobbing, even in spirit. And he's been like that for over 100 years. Do we leave him? Or do we remove an attachment that caused him maybe to be not of sound mind or to maybe puppeteer him a little bit and murder his family? Let's look at Charles Manson, for example. What do you do? You know there's an attachment. We know this. We've tapped it. We've seen it. Right. What do you do? Do you say, well, you deserve to roam the earth for the rest of your life with your attachment be a bottom feeder, let it feed off your energy. Most people would say, absolutely. I look at this and go, you can move on in spirit and attach yourself to anybody, any any human being on this planet. And then what do you do? See the cycle continue? So what does this person he attaches to? Does all of a sudden he start feeling like he wants to be a Charles Manson or behave like Charles Manson, for example, or, or any, any other malevolent individual. There's all kinds of, of, you know, people I've worked with and where, for example, let's say there was an alcoholic man in the family of the, the prior family passed away in the house, alcoholic. Well, the new family moves in and the husband, because he's the male, starts drinking heavily and starts taking on these characteristics. So allegedly this happens they can you know if there's if there's something in the space that is creating that sort of energy then all of a sudden we start behaving like whatever it is that's influencing that energy then that serial killer charles manson could attach to somebody else and maybe just maybe that cycle begins again so what do you do remove the attachment sort of try to you know, like, it's not like you, we decide where people go when you move them on. They go where they're meant to go. Mm. And at that point, does it become a thing about atonement? Does it become a thing about, you know, we're not judge and jury. When you move a spirit over, we're just showing them the way. From that point on, whoever's on the other side is who determines where they go. So it's just food for thought. Interesting. So, Michelle, have you notice like if you knew those people before for example that before they had an attachment and after they had an attachment have you seen them change physically in appearance the facial uh structure even the expression do they uh have the resemblance with a person or the spirit that the we know that it has of course in the um world of the spirit do they have a resemblance in their I've seen appearance. Well, I've had I've seen people in uh, in photos who have been superimposed on by spirits. It's, it's it's crazy. So I imagine if the camera lens could pick it up, that you know you might be able to pick up something like that in real time. I think if you're very gifted, you could. Could we physically see something? I mean, what I have physically seen is nothing that that drastic or dramatic. I mean, I've seen people be very foul and negative, and just being looking angry when you're angry you tend to have that dark presence about you you know if if there's something influencing i've seen people when you remove the attachment their entire demeanor changes you know they just seem to have a lighter feel about them they start smiling all the time you can see it in their eyes you know their eyes just seem to have a brilliance to them it's the same with clearing a house you know and you see this a lot they try to describe it uh, in some of the shows, so the the house seemed dark, but after the clearing, everything just seemed brighter. I think it's something similar to that. 
Uh, you're saying that uh, their eyes even change and the lights start to sh shine through. Now, they say, there's a saying that the eyes are the mirrors of the soul. Yes. Now, when you look at people, I know that you are able to sense and you know this information you have the knowing. However, when you look at their eyes, do you immediately know what is behind or sometimes that the, those spirits or entities that are residing in a person can hide? Mm -hmm. They they definitely will try to hide. In my experiences, I've seen people whose eyes are just completely dark. You don't, you, you don't see the color at all. Black. They're just black. Yes. Yeah, I saw um, that. I also see the behavior when they're around me change because they don't, it's almost like they don't want to be recognized you know they go very Absolutely. quiet i watched a young man um we had cleared basically it was the first time at the house we just gave it a good cleansing and and we had to go back you know and this young man looked at me and he said look what i can do and he took like a bangle bracelet it was too small for his wrist and he looked me in the eye and he went he pushed his hand through dislocated his wrist and twisted his arm and moved it up forward and moved it back slowly and went, see? So it's like, in a way, letting me know I'm still here. Which which we knew. We, we knew, you know, it was just a matter of who you're hiding in. Because every member of the family had dark eyes, all had experiences, were all just, you know, you can see some were desperate, some were angry. And some just sat there silently, just looking out. So it's like, which one are you in? Because there's usually more than one. So, you know, it's like, okay. And it took 16 years to finally, you know, get that thing cleared from the young man who was five years old at the time. Five years old. Yeah. And, and that's 16, sorry. So he was, it took 11, another 11 years where he resurfaced because the family decided they did not want to partake in anything. And and um, the researcher who who knew him messaged eleven years later and said, "Here, he's still there, still has it." And it's like okay. And then they also know that you know. That's how they start behaving differently in your presence, and they become okay. sweet and nice. But you can see that in their eyes yeah. that that is not the person that is so sweet and nice, kind of putting us uh, our guard to sleep, right? That's right. I remember that I was once uh, I worked in one organization where we uh, prayed for the healing of people, and I was new at that organization, and um, I could see the entities on people. And the interesting thing is that the people will come and uh, they would make donations, and that's how that organization existed. And I would start telling. People who work there, who were praying for those people for the healing, that you can't just pray for them. Here's an entity that needs to be removed. Here, here, and here. And the name of it is this. And for that one, it's named this way. And uh, that is, for example, that the the, the relative, that mm -hmm. the, the, it was the dead the grandfather of the person who was coming there for past five years to get um the prayer for him, for his health, and he had problems with his uh, body, with his family. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, so when I prayed for them, they stopped coming back. And of course, that caused a problem in other organizations because people stopped coming. You know, they got rid of all their problems and they don't bring yeah. the money back. And right. I started questioning myself being there. However, there was another person that also just recently came in and he looked at me. And he said, Diana, he said, we both know who we are. You know who I am. And I know who you are. If we don't mm -hmm. get into each other's business, life is going to be okay for both of us. Mm -hmm. And that was the person, that was the man who knew everything about my life. And that was the first time that I met him. Mm -hmm. He knew everything. And he had the abilities that the mm -hmm. regular human being wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I looked in his eyes and I knew who I was dealing with. And I said, okay. And then that person created his own church. Imagine, he didn't go and create the church of Satan, for example, right? He went mm -hmm. and created Christian church. 
and a lot of people from that organization that started going there and a lot of people from that uh, from the church that he was going to and i at the time they came to his place mm-hmm. and when i met those people i said listen he is not the person of God. He became a pastor there and he was making his own little congregation. I said, yeah. this is not the person of God. Look mm-hmm. in the eyes and wake up. To which he came to me and he threatened. And he said, I know what you're doing. I decided not to interfere. However, I, I saw the people um, mm-hmm. later and they said that you were right. That was not the church of God. So a lot of the people, a lot of those bad spirits, uh, they mm-hmm. get in the head of some sort of organization under the disguise of being benevolent and working um, toward the benefit of the people. Mm -hmm. So by looking on their face, by looking at the eyes, you can see. However, like you said, that they hide and they will do anything to hide. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times that I could not see and I could not even sense because that's how good they are at hiding. And then all of a sudden, bam, and the complete manifestation Mm -hmm. takes place. That's right. That's right. Michelle, I have a question for you. If um, you possessing that incredible talent, as you do, that many people don't. Now, has it been difficult for you living with this uh, gift of uh, discernment you see you're able to manipulate the energy you're able to uh, see what is cooking behind uh, the curtains Um, did you experience any negative sort of retaliation from the spirit world uh, at all well I want the work that you do I want to be very clear I am the person in the forefront of a fantastic team uh, it's always been that way. I've always been the one in the forefront because I've always been the one that people see. But there's an amazing team behind that. And they're very gifted. And a lot of them have been on television. I've made sure everyone has had their 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 day in, in the, the limelight, so to speak, because I want them to be recognized. But it's still their place with their abilities to discuss that and what they do because um you know with with my viewer for example works a lot of criminal cases and stuff so i don't go there i don't go there um but i can tell you that i'm only one person and my abilities they all work differently everybody works differently but it's the team that makes it work and we also work with beings on the other side of the veil and that is what makes it successful as well. Like there's a lot to the component of the group. So with that being said, when I was doing a lot of on-site, because I, I know the question you're asking, and when we were doing a lot of on-site investigations, we did one time, because I don't fear, I don't fear any of this. I know my mindset and I know I can control a lot of what happens pertaining to myself. I get startled. Don't get me wrong. It's like if you jump out, you know, something Uh jumps out at me, I'm going to be startled. You could jump out at me. I'm going to be the same startled. It's not going to be any different. But, you know, early days, I was a little cocky about it. I was just like, nah, you don't bother me. You know, go away. Just go, whatever. You know, something growl at me, like, whatever. I still get like that with, with a little bit So you're more... going and you take care of the situation. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. I'm a little more humble about it these days, though. <laughs> but, you know, because every being, is as much as they're there to cause harm or infiltrate somebody else's life, they're still another worldly being. And, and there has to be an element of, I hate to say respect because of what they are or what they represent and the havoc they bring with them. But you have to respect everything within the elements. You really do. And what I didn't bank on, on one case that we did, and and it was featured on television and the one family would not participate in the show at all. I was brought on just as the researcher for one of, you know, one of the the gals who was involved and her place was actually two houses. Her place was cleared 
for the most part. But again, you have to keep up on it. She lived a few hours away. It was hard to be there all the time. And the other place was like, no, we want nothing to do with, with this at all. We don't want to give an interview. We don't want to partake in the show. That's it. So they, what the show did is combine the two cases into one, which made it very confusing for the viewer because they didn't really know, understand why some of the things were happening the way it did. But realistically speaking, the entity was the same. And we left for that night. And as we were leaving the second house, we realized it was a whole back section that we weren't even made privy to. We had no idea it even existed because it came in under the mm. tree canopy and it was blocked off from the inside. You couldn't see it unless you, it was a big circular driveway, unless you came around the other end. Mm -hmm. And we're less like, as I hold at the back of the house, it was huge because it used to be an old trading post. So wow. it was a big building, very old building as well, like from the 1800s. So anyway, um, my daughter ended up losing her sight. And just, you know, she had perfect vision. And she came one morning and she goes, I can't see. I'm just like, what do you mean you can't see? She goes, I can't see. Didn't paranormal was the last thing on my mind? You know, logic. I'm a logical individual. So went to the doctors, we went to the optometrist, we went to eye specialists, they took pictures of the inside of her eyes, mm -hmm. uh, CT scan, MRI, <clears throat> uh, psychologist, psychiatrist. Is it a is it a mental thing that's just causing, you know, because you if you're having emotional or or something's not going on up here it can cause physical things so we looked at everything and a couple of weeks go by and it took my family doctor to say because we were friends as well and he said what have you what did you last work on and I thought about it and I was uh -huh. like I'm like oh my god I think it could be a possibility yeah so you know we had initially talked about going back but the family we were supposed to go back and help did not want us to go back. So oh. I just, I, you know, I tapped in. I'm like, what do you want? It was like, stay away. Well, we're not allowed to go back anyway. Like, All right. <laughs> you know, and she came, she came to me like, like that evening. And she said, I can see. So say what you want. Um, you know, her, her, the one vision, vision in the one eye never, never came back to as good as it was. But the thing is, is that she could see. And, you know, and that was that people are like, well, was that a deal? No, it wasn't a deal. I wasn't allowed to go back. <laughs> I just said, yeah, whatever, you know, because it's just like, we, you know, the family didn't want to continue with anything. So the, we were not going back. We were not meant to go back. So what, what what's important that she could do that differently because you don't have to go onto the physical premise. You don't. Uh, per se, in order to do the work. And of course, you can do it differently. And uh, when people schedule uh, an appointment with me, I don't know them. Right. And I right. look and I research and I know what story they are telling me now and what story is actually happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, uh, very interesting that you can do that differently as well, because it's about energy. It's 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 just tapping in. Believe me, when you work with certain beings, they know everything about you before you ever step foot in there. Everything. And they they are already tapped into you. They know where you are. All you've got to do is say what. I've had things come to my home before I go to a location and you know before. try to, oh yeah trying to flex their muscles you know growling at me I was like yeah whatever you know I remember one time I was supposed to go um to this one house and it was really sad it was a really really sad situation but um anyway I was just in my ensuite and I was just finishing up you know getting ready brushing my hair and as I walked out into the master bedroom, there was three knocks on the bedside table, which was marble. So they really had to be a hard hit for me to hear it. And I just grabbed my purse and I said, I'll see you in an hour. And I just walked out. 
<laughs> it's like, I don't care. Acknowledgement is empowerment. I'm just like, I'm not giving it to you. I'm not scared of you. And sure enough, it was there. It was there when I got there. And uh, while I was in, I always, I always like to leave a voice recorder on just while I'm having initial contact. I try to have mm. it very laid back. I don't go in there drilling people. I can just get my my questions just by asking and having, you know, sitting over coffee, having a conversation. And believe me, the fact that they're being ignored, you get all kinds of growling and hissing and stuff going on in the background. And it was all in there. It was all in the recording, you know. But when I got there, the family had been through so much. That woman dropped at my feet and just grabbed, you know, and, and it was just like, and she had had somebody from the church, her church in there. And he goes, we'll be back to help. Never came back at all. Oh, Michelle, that gives me goosebumps because um, we can talk about it. Of course, we can tell stories, but at the same time, yeah. those are real people that go through it. Yes. And when I say that people thank me for literally, there was a woman that was kissing my knees, you know, what in the world is happening? Yes. Her pain was so severe. The entire house mm-hmm. was under so much um, turmoil. And yes. when it lifted, she was so grateful that she actually kissed my knees. Mm-hmm. That's people are um, brought to the point of desperation a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And that's how they would um, thank you. And I can relate to that because um, how old was your daughter when it happened uh, with her side? Uh, 14, 15. 14, yeah. 15. Mm-hmm. Mine was actually, she was uh, three years old and we mm-hmm. lived in the, one of the most haunted homes and for 10 years. And I did not know up until when I watched that uh, episode with your daughter, I did not know that that could also be associated with my young child small mm-hmm. child losing her eyesight and of course a lot of uh, other things and uh, illnesses were happening at the time but losing the eyesight mm-hmm. I did yes. not know about it but then again like you said that we have to respect them a lot of the times when you watch the shows and the movies oh they're ordered get out of here you filthy spirit whatever it is who, like, yeah, who are we who are you yes who are you you're mortal. Oh, yeah. You think that you have the power from God who gave it to you, you know? And I, you I believe mindset to. is important, though. I believe you have to be respectful. Take control you of your life, but be respectful. Because if you don't, it's going to be looked at as a challenge. And let me tell you what challenge accepted is how the response you're going to get. They'll accept that challenge every time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Michelle, one thing happened to me, and now I can, of course, talk about it. But at the time, it was one of the most horrible things that ever happened to me. I remember, just like you said, you were cocky, right? Like, yeah, and cocky and everything. (laughs) So I was at the time, and um, I look in the spirit. I know uh, the problems, uh, um, the origin of the problems for different entities. I can see them. I read Mm -hmm. people of them. I clean the homes. and. exercise or different kind of things and I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and I said that oh um you know the devil would have to work hard to deceive me because I can see through everything Mm -hmm. oh my god Michelle for the next three months I knew Mm -hmm. No difference between darkness and light, bad or good. I did not have any compass. I was bombarded by all of this uh, conversations, you know, that were absolutely deceiving. I did not know. And yeah, it took the challenge. He said, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to see that. And that's exactly what happened. And it took me a long time to get rid of it and to humble myself. And humbling doesn't just come. Uh, it comes with experience, of course. So I understand perfectly. Humility is everything. I think we have to go in um, as servants. I don't, I've always had spirits say, serve, serve, 
because we have to be service to others. We can't be service to self. You have to put others first. You know, I've often, I've often spoke about this because I think it's important for people to know a lot of, there's a lot of researchers out there, a heck of a lot more now than there ever was, you know, when we were growing up and now it doesn't take anything for people to do it. People will go watch TV, a TV show. Next thing you know, they're a paranormal group. Expert. Now I, I commend <laughs> the groups that go out there and do really good work. I, I do. I commend them. I, where I disagree with some, and I know there are some that, are, that have a lot of ethics and, I'm, and, and, and those are the ones I refer people to. If people want physical contact, it's like, there are those really great researchers that will put people first and not just say they put people first. And what I mean by that is that when I go into a place, when somebody contacts me, I don't look at them and say, well, you're lucky I'm here to help you. No problem. I look at them and I say, thank you for entrusting your family to me. Let me take the weight for a little while. Just let, let, let me and my team worry about this. You worry about your family, work on your mindset, be strong. Wherever it is you draw your strength from, whether it be your faith, whether it be one another, draw from that and put on a funny show, open the windows, dance, listen to some music, let us do the rest. That is what's important. And it's why I stopped. It's a big reason why I stopped going in and communicating with things. I don't need to investigate everything by asking for a sign, by making that invitation. Because malevolent things, nine times out of 10, starts with an invitation. And it doesn't always come from the people who are infected. You know, it comes from somebody else going in and challenging them, these things to magically appear to them. I demand you to do this. I challenge you. Um, you know, and it's not, communication doesn't just happen with a Ouija board. A communication or invitation happens with a phone app. It can happen with a pendulum. It can happen with a ghost box. It could happen with a board, with a, and, and any type, voice recorder. Talk to me. I want oh. you to talk to me. I oh, want you to talk recorder. to me. Uh -huh. oh, it is. You're, you're inviting and requesting communication. And it that, will come. And it will come. Now, how, you know, then how do you get to do this? You know, well, we want the magical picture. We want that wonderful, you know, voice recording. We want, you know, there's, there's so much that it, it's like, but you get to go home. What what does the family do? Because now you've got a being there that's like, well, you wanted to talk to me half an hour ago, and I'm not done talking. I'm not done communicating. What do you do then at that point? You know, this is where I I like working, even with parapsychologists who who will come in and, and they've got a totally different, you know, because I've consulted with some. I think you've had Elliot Van Dusen on. I consider him a dear friend. And I'll get to you him know, soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's 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 wonderful. You love him. And you know, it's just a matter of like, okay, you know, like we we bounced around, you know, because you know, I worked with a client that he ended up working with. He goes, okay, what's going on with this? You know, and we banter about it, not banter, we can communicate about it. And you have the logical side of things, but then you have the really very real side of things. And I like working with people who can walk the line on both sides. You have to keep the logic going because it's a process of elimination. In the end, when you're left with something, you don't say 100% unequivocally, yep, it's a demon. Yep, it's a ghost. Yep, it's, it's this, it's this. No, for me, what it does is it means I get to explore this a little bit more because I didn't find the answer to it. The paranormal mm -hmm. is a field essentially of hypothesis. We don't know for sure what any of it is. It could be a dimensional bleed through, as my producer likes to say. It's dimensional bleed through. Maybe, may it's you know, yes, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. But it could also be other things that create a lot of the same, the same, uh, the same things that you know, a ghost. Uh, a demon, an angel. There are extraterrestrials that do the same thing. 
The demon looks sounds awesome. a whole lot like a reptilian to me. They're out Absolutely. there. Well, Light beings, angels, grays. Like you just have to start looking at things like sleep paralysis. You have the scientific, you have the ghost stories, and you have the extraterrestrial, and they're all exactly the same. If we look at, um, at the history, Michelle, we and even uh, our sacred book, historical, ancient secret book, or secret, secret as well, sacred book. Yes. We would see that God can be so malevolent, right? And punishing people and all of the light. If you look at the, the um, series of ancient aliens that uh, making a lot of sense. Meaning mm -hmm. that uh, I could not understand what was written in the Bible and why would God be punishing people so much? When I understood, when I had my own visitation, when I understood that, oh my God, they were just extraterrestrial. And because the people did not know what it was uh, from the, their own frame of uh, reference at the time, they could not name it. So they became God's angels, of course, when they were just extraterrestrial. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I remember that uh, when I, I was 14, that was, I think, um, when I was seven and then I was 14, I started seeing the gray. I had no idea what it was and it scared me to death. I remember that as a child, I ran to the bathroom in a closed door, then transpired through the bathroom door and they're <laughs> like, don't be afraid of us. And I'm like, my God, I'm in the bathroom. Like, they are everywhere. So don't be afraid of us. We just need to share information with you. Mm -hmm. And they did. And at the time, uh, they told me that there's in six months, there's going to be a huge uh, earthquake in Iran. And uh, it is going to kill thousands of people. And I told my parents about it. And I'm like, how in the world? And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And when they come, they come and they tell me about the horrible things that um, are going to happen and they do happen and who is at fault. I don't quite understand what is the reason of coming and telling us and informing us of what is going to happen. I don't know. I have not really figured it out, but I know also that uh, there have been, uh, um, how I know what is an objective reality, because uh, as a child, I remember that my parents were watching TV at the time and um, they started showing a lot of happenings, a lot of people at the time seeing grays, the mm -hmm. little gray people, that's what I call them. <clears throat> and I even made drawings of them. Mm -hmm. Later in life, they started coming and saying that, that they are the consulate of four. Like, okay, um, it's either my gift or maybe it's time for me to go and commit myself somewhere. <laughs> I, th I think it's a blend of everything. I do. Yeah. I believe it's a blend of everything for you. I believe that, um, first off, it's lineage. Like if, if, if you are a contactee or an experiencer, chances are, so were, was a member of your parent, either your mother or your father, maybe both your grandparents. I realized that. And I, I asked my mother before she passed, I said, any extraterrestrial, you know, like she goes, well, you had a big fascination for the stars from the time you were very, very little. Um, her father, my grandfather used to have a telescope. And back then, you know, like it was, it was a lot of money to buy a telescope. He bought a telescope and he would watch the skies all the time. He had many extraterrestrial experiences. I found out just through the, our, our bloodline, you know, where it went, that it, it made sense that we would have those, those types of experiences. Then I found out my father on the other side of the family was saying, oh yeah, we see UFOs all the time. I was just like, what? <laughs> so, and my mother, you know, stated to me at one point she said well she said your sister was supposed to be a twin she goes yet one was born yet there were two to start with so you know I started really putting two and two together and um you know I still have experiences incredible experiences downloads everything I I you know they've, they've shown up in the house they you know I've, I've seen giant portal open up um right right driving and I'm sitting here big, and I had a vision of that almost in the same area, um, probably a year before 
And when we were driving home one night, I looked over into the sky. It was all the same colors. It was all iridescent pastels, massive. And we could only see that it was like a big arch. And I'm and I'm looking at the person I'm with going, um, you do see this, right? He's like, nope, not a thing. I'm like, <laughs> I cannot be the only one to see something. It is immense. It was a clear night sky in the summertime. There was no reason for it to be there. And and he's just like, not a thing. <laughs> just go. I was mind blown. I woke up with gray right beside me. And I don't even say woke up. I mean, I was falling asleep. So I'm I'm just lying in bed. I'm just getting ready to, to call it a night. And I look, and there's like a four to five foot gray standing beside me. He's so close I could I could just touch him. And I and I just looked at him and I went, nope. And I rolled over. <laughs> nope. Uh, Nope. So nope, not doing communicate it. Communicate. And nope. uh, um, I was tired. Yeah, didn't want to. So it got to a point where they were becoming um, more regular to the point where people would see them, like, you know, move behind me, even when I did the show, the radio show. And people were just mm. picking up on them. And it's like, oh, God, okay. That was the other house, of course, the Haunted Manor. We've sold it, by the way. <laughs> but but oh, that you, was. You know, we yeah, no, we don't. We don't. This one's much more quiet, which is very nice. But here we we have different experiences, like music. We hear when my mother was in the hospital before just before she passed, I was hearing a lot of choirs singing, or I would hear Viking chanting, and we were hearing flutes, um, all kinds of phenomenal music. Um, but the choir, it, it almost brings you to an emotional brink of, of tears. It was so emotional. Going, what is going on? Because it went on for two, three straight weeks. Even if I was driving during the day, I was tapped into it. And when, just before my mother passed, a friend of hers, very gifted individual, said to her, she goes, the angels are singing for you. Uh, I'm going, hell uh, yeah, they are, because you're uh, freaking keeping me up every damn night. So uh, <laughs> I just left it at that. So this house comes with different things that happen in it and still extraterrestrial activity. So. Because I rather thinking myself was one of the first experiences I heard singing. That was the choir again. I would go and start again. Make it not. Oh, you're cutting out. You're cutting oh. out lots. Yeah. I'm only catching you. Can you hear me? It, uh, yeah, I can hear you, but you're cutting out. Interesting. So can you hear me now? Yeah, is it better? Yes. Is it better? Okay. Yes, okay. It is. okay. Interesting. What I was saying. <laughs> the choirs. <laughs> oh, the choir. That's right. Yes, I put yes. it. It was like the threshold. The threshold. Yeah. And um, and then I would ask them, what do you see? And I would say, Angels are singing. I would like angels, but not fallen angels. But what can I say? Fallen. So interesting. It, I found it very fascinating because I can I hear frequencies a lot, and like just in real time, I can hear frequencies. Um, so for me, once in a while, you hear music. The other house, you, we, I mean, we were so used to hearing conversations at the other house because the spirits would be talking and roaming and doors, you hear the sounds of doors opening and closing, but they weren't really opening and closing. You know, mind you, I, I could come downstairs and watch a door open in front of me middle of the day, like things like that, you know. So we were quite used to all the sounds of the other house. But when it was really quiet, we would hear big conversations going on. Um, and some of it sounded like it was frequency, like old radio shows or old television. Um, you know, so I got used to it. But here, when when we moved in here, I thought it's quiet. It was so. I know, but I I, I don't know, Jan. I think I I think I ruined it because because now. Now, you know, the, the ET have followed, and we have different types of ET, not just grays, but, you know, there have been different ones. But um, the frequency, like, I just, I can't get away from that. And we don't have any crazy towers or anything around here. It's relatively very quiet area. 
but I've always been able to hear frequencies. So I'm always going to hear things. Can you tune on a particular frequency? I tune into many. They're all different. Sometimes they're painful. Like they're so high pitched. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm buckled over. Like, geez, it's very hard. Other times they're just very gentle, um, but they, they change. Now, Michelle, ever considered not doing what you do? Has it ever been so is that not do that at the very beginning? Uh, perhaps uh, you want to do something else and then said, oh, I'm not doing that. It's difficult on a spiritual. Oh, yeah, I can hear everything. Did it ever happen to you? No. No. You always I knew. I always knew um, that I think, I think when you start doing it, you realize that you're supposed to do it. There are times, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I'm semi-retired from film. I do, you know, I've done the occasional documentary. I do, I like doing the radio shows. I don't mind doing like the, you know, written print articles. I do a lot of those, a lot of consultation. I don't want to be out of it completely because I do believe that people need to find the team. They do need to find us and they need to, you know, if they need help, that's how they're going to find us. But I also know that we evolve and the paranormal to me, as much as I find it interesting, and I think I will always be a seeker of knowledge. I will always be a student of it, among many other things, because we have to keep moving forward. You have to keep learning. You have to keep researching because things are not what they seem. There's so much out there that when I say not what they seem, I mean from a very paranormal standpoint. You know, we, we, are, we see one thing. But there's a whole lot more going on that a lot of people can't see. And there it's definitely out there. So I think it just got to a point where for me, I evolved from it. And when I started realizing that maybe some of my experiences were growing up were not just paranormal, but they were also extraterrestrial. Now I'm aware of it because I'm a researcher. I've spent two decades you know, seeing all of it present itself. And I think they've taken me where in areas where I needed information and I find myself researching and taken into an entirely different area. I'm going, how did I get here? And I start researching it and I'm going, oh, I guess I was supposed to see this. And then things start to make sense. And then people find their way to you. That's one thing that the radio show has done um, people have gravitated to me that I would not have expected, you know, or vice versa. I'm shown somebody saying, well, this person, you're supposed to bring this person on, you know, and I'm just kind of like, okay, like I have a waiting list. You know, our show has like a waiting list of people who want to come on. And yet every now and then something or someone, a topic or an individual is presented to us and we're like, okay, I need to contact this person because that's you know, my part of it is like, I do the contacting. So I'm just kind of like, okay. <clears throat> and through that you have listeners and then those listeners have experiences or those listeners may, you know, may, may need assistance or somehow people who are supposed to be within your circle or people who are supposed to cross your path, find a way. And that continues the journey like uh yes i just fell on your path <laughs> you did i'm glad you did my path through tv <laughs> thank so, you thank to be is meant to be for <laughs> i think so i think people of like mind will come to a point where they'll gather i believe that i believe that you know it gets to a point where people who do this sort of work or who do light work whether it's planetary or whether it's with individuals, will find a way to one another because that is the energy combined into that collective. It 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 matters. It matters and it works. You raise the vibration, then it will come from people who can enlighten other people. And then those people will become enlightened and it will just keep growing. Or you you may have others that go the other way. 
like I've studied many religions. I've studied, I've studied the occult and esoteric knowledge and, and, and a lot of those, that sort of things. And at one point people will tell you that, you know, like, you know, I was pretty dark myself, but it's just like, you delve into it, you work with it, you research it, it can easily consume you. So you have to be so careful, so careful. It's just said yes, that if you want abyss, abyss started staring at you. Yes. You have to be very careful. And especially nowadays when people are just like, oh, I know so much about the spirit. Spirit cutting out again. Oh. Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. Is it better now? It's still cutting in and out. Oh, yeah. Better now? No. No. Oh, it, it, it comes in waves. So <laughs> I'll put my finger waves. up when you do. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is good. Okay. Um, I have to do something with myself because I forget immediately what I was saying. <laughs> in any case, I am so glad that we are talking about it because professionals like you who have been in the area for so long and for whom it is not just nonsense, for whom it is the objective reality. It is mm. the lifelong research. Mm. People like you, Michelle, and particularly you, help so much um, people with their experiences because they don't know where to go. I did not know where to go when I started to experience that in my house. And uh, I had to do my own research and how to do it. And by the time that I figured it out, how to cleanse my house, uh, they would just come back again and again and again. And then I got so tired. I moved out of the house. Mm. I moved out of the house. I couldn't live there anymore. And did as I did, they didn't. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Did. Some did. And uh, my bed was shaking in California as well when I was the violence is shaking there. And I'm like, okay, we're going to stop it right here. Mm-hmm. And um, I, when I moved out, you are going to believe it. I'm not going to say you're not going to believe it. But for a lot of people, it is something extraordinary. I had a big portrait on the wall behind, of me. <laughs> behind the glass, it flies off the wall, falls in the middle of the room, and shatters it to pieces. Oh, I'm like, the hint is taken, you know? That's right. Not, yeah. could, you could, you could yeah. not be more uh, clear here. And I'm leaving. Yes. And uh, there was a woman who lived in our house that uh, used to uh, used to live there. She was the previous owner who died in that house. And nothing that we did was able to, we were able to get rid uh, um, of that spirit. And interestingly enough, that uh, she uh, harassed every single woman that lived in the house because she was the owner. So I'm so glad that you do this incredible work and that people flocking to you, seeking help, and you're there, the light uh, on their path that is uh, helping them and guiding them where they're supposed to be going. And you are relieving so much stress and suffering in this world, for which I'm grateful to you. Thank you very much, Michelle. I hope that we meet again, you and I, for the next conversation. I know that you're so busy and you hop from one interview to another and your um, radio programs too. So we will conclude this podcast today, but we will definitely meet again. And this uh, has been our podcast, uh, Coffee with Dr. Yana. And I'm your host, Dr. Yana. Until we see each other again. Goodbye. Bye, Michelle. (laughs) Goodbye.